Welcome to the In Camera Review Podcast. We have a great show for you tonight. There is quite a bit to unpack. Gentlemen, how are you? I'm well, Mike. Good, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. We are going to talk about a movie, an actor, and a year this evening. The movie is Joker, directed by Todd Phillips. We're going to talk about Denzel Washington, and we are going to talk about 1994 in film and the 1995 Academy Awards and the Best Picture nominees and winner. The winner in 1995 was Forrest Gump, also nominated Pulp Fiction, Shawshank Redemption, Quiz Show, and Four Weddings and a Funeral. A lot to unpack this week, gentlemen. So tell me just very quickly, what did you watch this week? I watched Joker, and I watched The Manchurian Candidate with Denzel. Nice. Um, nice. That's a good one. I also one. watched this ridiculous documentary, which we're not going to spend any time on, about the Fire Festival, which we can talk about at some point in time. I heard that's good. There's two <laughs> movies about that. Ridiculous, but okay. So that's it for me. What'd you watch, Matt? Joker and I was searching and I, I had to get something in there. I got Philadelphia, bring a little Denzel. I watched Joker as well. And I also got in the first hour of Malcolm X before I turned it off. Mm. When we come back, done. we're going to be talking about Joker. My mother's name is Penny, Penny Fleck. She used to work here years ago. Can you please tell Mr. Wayne I need to see him? You are her son. Yeah. Did you know her? I know about the two of them. She told me everything. There's nothing to know. There is no them. Your mother was delusional. She was a sick woman. Don't say that. Just go. Before you make a fool of yourself. Thomas Wayne is my father. Joaquin Phoenix as Joker in the titular role of the movie, which was nominated for Best Picture, as we talked about on last week's podcast. Joker was directed by Todd Phillips, who you may know from such films as Road Trip, Old School, and The Hangover Trilogy. So this movie is a little out of character, a little out of sorts for him. Joaquin Phoenix, of course, won Best Actor for this movie. He had previously been nominated for Gladiator, Walk the Line, and The Master. Also, Robert De Niro is in this movie as Murray Franklin. He is not in this movie as Travis Bickle, although he could be, given the fact that the movie is about a mentally disturbed person in a urban environment who is fed up with the societal ills of the time and feels ostracized and therefore goes on a campaign of violence, which inspires people. But no, this movie is about Arthur Fleck, who later becomes the Joker at the pretty much the end of this movie that we know from the DC comics. He lives with his mother in Gotham and has a condition that makes him laugh involuntarily. His mom calls him happy. You know, I'm also a comedian. Would you like to hear a joke? <laughs> this movie is very interesting. I will just say, first of all, Joaquin Phoenix is excellent in this movie, period, end of story. There's just okay. no debate. He's absolutely Agreed. excellent. Stipulated. And I also think that I don't know if this was, this role was written for him in mind, but I don't think that there's anybody else that could own this role the way he does because he's so awkward in general. Like he gave the most awkward Oscar speech of all time. We feel entitled to artificially inseminate a cow 
And when she gives birth, we steal her baby. And then he plays a character that laughs awkwardly so much so that he has to show you a card to tell you that he's not laughing at you. That's the greatness of the performance to me because look at who he's followed. Heath Ledger, Oscar winner, Jack Nicholson, right? Like some of the biggest names have played that character and he somehow pulls it off and wins best actor for it. I'm generally surprised at how different or how well he was able to pull it off. Let me say this about the movie. I went in with very low expectations. I had extremely low expectations. Todd Phillips doing, you know, a comic book movie, like he does comedy movies, right? I I don't understand what's happening. And so I went in with, with low expectations. To say I was like pleasantly surprised, I think it's mostly on the back of Joaquin. But I think De Niro's a great support in the movie. I guess in the world of all these comic book movies that are out now, I generally enjoyed it from the standpoint that it's a much darker take than everything else that we get, which is all family fun. It's a darker take on an origin story for the Joker that's slightly different. Is he Bruce Wayne's stepbrother, (laughs) for lack of a better term? I don't give the movie overall very high remarks. I simply will state that it surprised me from my very low expectations. I would give it three or three and a half stars, mostly because of Joaquin. Because this has been done so many times, and we've been down this road so many times, to do it differently seems difficult or challenging to me at this point. And I thought Todd Phillips and Joaquin came up with a concept and a character that were different than I sort of envisioned or expected. And for that, I give them I give them kudos. I give them props for that. The rest of the movie, the story, the dialogue, some of that stuff, it just doesn't quite get me there. But Joaquin is the laugh in particular. <laughs> so many people have done the laugh and he he twists it into something different. I, I give him kudos for that. Matt, before you figuratively shoot somebody in the face on live TV. About to get what it fucking deserves right now, for sure. With your disdain (laughs) for this movie, let me say, Logan, I agree with you on a number of those points. I generally have a rule that if you turn out an outstanding performance in a shitty movie, my go-to example for this is Meryl Streep in The Iron Lady. It's a really bad movie about Margaret Thatcher, and Meryl Streep is absolutely excellent in it. And I think she won the Academy Award for Best Actress that year the movie's terrible though it's a two-star movie but because she does such a good job it elevates it to a three-star that's my take on the joker is that this is a two-star two-star floor this is a two-star movie that joaquin elevates to a three-star movie wow yeah this is a three-star movie but only because joaquin is not just good or great performance he's really excellent in this movie The other thing, Logan, that you mentioned that I I think is a really spot on observation is this to me seems like DC Comics is trying to establish some sort of counterweight to the Marvel Cinematic Universe of PG-13 movies that are not dark and that have happy endings. They're going R rating and they're going graphic violence. They're trying to be the antithesis of the Marvel movies. And I wonder if this is a strategy that will work. I mean, obviously it won Oscars, so they're going to do more of these. It will be interesting to see what they do with things like the Riddler, Poison Ivy, Lex Luthor, some of these other DC comic characters that you could go really dark with. And to me, it makes sense because ultimately a lot of comic books are 
pretty dark. They're not for kids, right? That's the thing that Marvel does is they, they tone it down so that it can be accessible and so they can make more money. Matt, I want to hear from you and unpack what you got to say about this movie. So it's funny how, how taste change as you get older. Back in the day, a movie this dark, when we were in law school together, if I heard someone say it was just too dark for me, I'd be like, grow up. You know, this is fucking life. But now, totally the opposite. This movie did not need to be this fucking dark. It didn't. This would have been a great movie, a great dark movie, like Taxi Driver, but it did not need to take place within the confines of the DC universe. It's for the sheeple that, that you can't tell a, a taxi driver anymore without putting it in a comic book. Drives me crazy. I also think this movie suffers from the Rob Zombie Halloween syndrome, which is I don't need to know the origin story of the Joker. The Joker is a maniacal crime genius. I don't need to know that he was adopted, got handcuffed to a radiator. I don't need to know that. Just like I don't need to know that Michael Myers, you know, wants to kill teenagers in Haddonfield, Illinois, because it brings him closer to his mom and his sister. Heath Ledger's Joker is the best, hands down. If you're good at something, never do it for free. I don't think there's any disagreement there, right? But you, so your your main problem with the movie is that his origin story you just don't care for, right? As a remake, and that's fine. I don't disagree with that either, right? We Hollywood, in my opinion, has no original ideas anymore, which is why they had make seventeen of every single fucking movie there is, and v like various versions. They can't get away from this Batman and Joker story. They just can't. And I think <laughs> Because it makes too much money. They, right. they keep finding people that will do it, that will do it well enough that everybody will go see it. And it makes them a ton of money. And so they just I agree. won't. And, and the one thing that I, I'm coming in a little bit different with, I don't think that it's a two-star movie that Joaquin Reyes elevates to three stars. I think it's a four-star movie in terms of its technical craft. It just, it just didn't need to be made. That's, that's my beef with it. You know, like I said, 20 years ago, I would have been high-fiving and been like, yeah, that's what it's about. Now I'm, I don't appreciate it as much as I used to. And that's just because tastes change. It's not wrong that he made it. It's not wrong that it's insightful. It's a provocative movie. I rank it higher than when you guys rated it. I never needed to see it. And I'll never watch it again. I agree with you about the fact that this movie, you know, could be called Funny Clown. And you just take out all the DC comic references and he's just a dude that dresses up like a clown that kills people. And it's it's sad clown, right? <laughs> yeah. It's just that taxi driver, you know, just, I think Logan's right. It doesn't make, it doesn't hit the box office. The, the, the reason why they keep making these comic book movies, both DC and Marvel's because they clean up. Mm -hmm. they make but, but here's my question is, is Joaquin getting paid off of Joker like RDJ is as Tony Stark? I, I feel like they're, they're still not making as much money. No, because you it's rated R and they can't play it on right. network television without massive edits. Right? right. Because they're going dark. Again, that's why I kind of give them kudos. And Nolan was the start of this, right? He's the one that was like, all right, I'm going to reboot Batman, but I'm going to make, I'm not going to make it the family friendly version i'm gonna make it right. deeper darker look and he already did this right phillips and these guys are just jumping on board I, I think we all appreciate that we like that version of it better than 
the family-friendly PG-13 comic book movies where nobody ever really dies and all this kind of stuff, which is not the way the comic books go. So I'm very conflicted about this movie. It's part of the reason why I picked it, because I had low expectations. It exceeded my low expectations. But at the same time, I still don't want to like it, right? I don't oh, want, yeah. I don't want to like it. it. I probably won't ever watch it again. You know, I've watched it twice. That's enough for me. And so it was just an interesting take for me on it. I thought Todd Phillips did a pretty good job. I mean, visually, it's very appealing. He's got some good shots. I love the dancing down the stairs. <laughs> right? I love when, and Tarantino does this all the time, he picks music that doesn't necessarily fit with the rest of the movie to like bring out a scene. And I thought Todd Phillips did a pretty good job with that from coming from what he's done in the past, which are these, you know, these comedy movies. How many stars do you give it, Logan? Three and a half. I'm about there. I'm about there. You know, your boy, Bradley Cooper, put that picture together. I'm a producer. Oh, that's, that's interesting. One, <laughs> one last thing I disagree with. I think whoever gets tapped to play the Joker brings their A game. I think that you have to. I think it's if people go crazy about getting that role. They're going to bring everything they can to to make it as crazy as possible. Um, everybody wins the Academy Award. Whoever gets tapped to play the Joker wins the Academy Award for playing the Joker. When we come back, we will be talking about Denzel Washington. You motherfuckers will be playing basketball in Pelican Bay. When I get finished with you, 23 hour lockdown. I'm the man up in this piece. You'll never see the light of day. Who the fuck you think you fucking with? I'm the police. I run shit here. You just live here. Yeah, that's right. You better walk away. Go on, walk away, because I'm going to burn this motherfucker down. King Kong ain't got shit on me. Denzel Washington in his Academy Award-winning role in Training Day. It's outstanding. I don't throw this word around a lot. The man is an icon, Mm -hmm. truly. He won Best Supporting Actor in 1989 in Glory, which was directed by Edward Zwick. He won in 2001 for Training Day. Some of his movies include Malcolm X in 92, Hurricane in 99, Flight in 2012, Fences in 2016, and Roman J. Israel Esquire in 2017. And then he's just got a whole host of other ones. Pelican Brief, Philadelphia, Crimson Tide, Virtuosity, Courage Under Fire, Fallen, He Got Game, Remember the Titans, Man on Fire, Manchurian Candidate, Inside Man, Book of Eli, and many, many others. The man has an amazing catalog. I celebrate it all. I celebrate the guy's entire catalog. He's prolific. He's iconic. He's a box office phenomenon. He is the most successful African-American actor of all time. I think his best performances are Glory and Training Day. I don't think Malcolm X holds up. But the thing about Denzel Washington, and Matt, this is really a great pick. I'm glad that you I'm glad that you picked Denzel. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. But the thing about Denzel is, and this sounds... This sounds kind of strange, but no one has eyes like this guy. His eyes, when he performs, tell you everything you need to know about what his character is thinking or feeling or going to do. Training Day is a really good example. For most of the movie, he looks like he's stoned. And then in that scene, when he's scared, they're about to pop out of his face. And the physical control that Denzel has 
he either has just got a natural gift for it or he spends a lot of time in front of the mirror when he does his roles. But he is a guy that he doesn't need a narrator. He doesn't need a whole lot of dialogue to tell you about his character and how his character is thinking or feeling about a situation. It's a very impressive thing to watch. That was a good, a good buildup for him. It, it, it was well-deserved. You know, when you look at this catalog, and I'm, I'm just going to say this. I mean, you can go Marlon Brando, Robert De Niro, Humphrey Bogart, George Clooney, whoever, Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm going to say this. There is no other leading man that has as robust of, I'm just going to take a, a snippet of 20 years from 89 to 09. Nobody has a career like that. I challenge anybody. Nobody has a career like he does. And when, you, like you just said, does he spend a lot of time in the mirror? Is it just natural? I got to believe it's natural, man. Just, you know, his range is all over. He is probably the best actor we've talked about. Probably my favorite actor. I don't know if I agree. Like scrolling through his movies while you're talking from for that 20-year period. Look, I'm not going to take anything away from him. He is phenomenal. But what this is the conclusion I came to when we went back and I was looking through movies, looking for scenes. And maybe this is just in the last 15 to 20 years from today, going backwards, as opposed to getting all the way back. But he plays the same kind of character in a lot of movies. So the Equalizer in Two Guns, Book of Eli, American Gangster, Man on Fire, Out of Time. Like, I love all of these movies. I'm not taking anything away from them. But his character is very much the same. He is... Like, it's him against the world sort of a thing. And he plays that. That's kind of what he does in Training Day. Matt, I know you've brought this up on several occasions where if you watch enough of a person's catalog, you notice, like, things that they do, like, with their head or whatever. Denzel has something that he does with his mouth or his chin. Right. And he does a lot in, like, Remember the Titans, where he, like, the way he holds his mouth before he's going to say something and the way he turns his head before he talks. I mean, he's amazing at it, right? But if you watch enough of his catalog, you pick up on a lot of that stuff. I mean, I watched Manchurian Candidate. The first time I saw that movie, I was, I loved it because it was Denzel and he was really good in it. The second time I watched it, I thought it was terrible. And he's good in it, but the whole movie, the rest of it kind of sucked, in my opinion. Is Meryl uh, Streep in that? Yes. Yeah. She's Leif Shriver's mother and the one pulling the Mike, did we watch that at the movie theater together? We did. Again, I'm not going to say anything bad about him. I just don't think that when you put it up against Leo, that he quite... Because Leo's... And we got to go back and look at this. Leo, to me, has a much broader spectrum in the characters that he plays and the types of roles that he takes as as to what... Denzel does and maybe that's because I'm just judging Denzel on the more recent 20 years sounds like it I would say Leo has more home runs Denzel has more hits he's Ichiro Suzuki okay every time he's at bat he is going to make something happen within his skill set no disagreement with that statement for sure but Ichiro could hit the long ball too and that's why our boys got multiple nominations and multiple Academy Awards in which Leonardo DiCaprio only has one. And you know that matters on this show. <laughs> well, only sometimes, only sometimes. I will say this, the Out of Time movie that Denzel's in is one of the most suspenseful movies I think I've ever watched. Like, For I was, sure. 
I on fire came out of fucking nowhere. I disagree with you when you say he plays the same role. I remember being like, "Man on fire, it's gonna be Denzel," and I was like, "Whoa, this is this is some fucking hard shit." I'm simply saying that he's it's him against the world in those movies. It's like the Equalizer. It's like out of time. Like it's him. Everybody is against him, sort of a thing. Hiding an important document, maybe for a few hours, and then making it look like the responsible lawyer misplaced it. Denzel has an issue because he is a great dramatic actor that has done some really good dramatic roles in some very good movies. But he also is, he's an action star, mm-hmm. right? And so there's not a whole lot of ways you can play an action star in the same way that there's not a whole lot of ways that John Wayne can play a Western star. And in fact, the one time he did do something different, it was terrible. So to me, I think that his action movies are easier to get made. He's prolific. They make a lot of money. He has a studio cachet that if you put his name in a movie, it automatically is going to up your circulation and your box office hits. I'll tell you this. He fucking transports you, right? He executes. He, he, he executes. So he takes you to a different place every single time. And I'm amazed by that. I also want to mention that he's played a lawyer at least twice, right? In definitely. Definitely. Philadelphia. Right. And then Roman J. Israel Esquire. I'm assuming he's an attorney in that movie. Uh, um, I, it's, it's a good guess. Let me say this. I will watch any movie with Denzel in it because I, I think the world of him. He's not a method actor, right? He doesn't create some role that he just immerses himself in. And like dirt, where you're going with this. Right? But what he does is he's consistently excellent. And he'll do different types of roles. It's not that he's just like Liam Neeson, right? We talked about he's kind of got that little area. Because if you look at those roles that you mentioned, Logan, and you compare them against some of these other roles that he's done that we mentioned. The texture. Yeah. Right. Jamie Foxx talked about this, about the advice he got about winning an Academy Award as a person of color from, you know, the mentors that he had, which are a lot of the same as Denzel. Don't limit yourself to these certain roles. Challenge yourself and try to try to do something more than just what's being offered to you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's what Denzel has done. But at the same time, I can't name a performance. So I don't like the movie Malcolm X. I don't think it's a good movie. I think it's a really indulgent picture by Spike Lee, especially because he's in it. But he's very good as Malcolm X. I don't think he's Academy Award winning in that movie. I think I think he rightfully got snubbed, in my opinion. By Al Pacino and Son of a Woman. Hoo-ah! Not, no, not, not necessarily, but to defeat the rebuttable presumption, if you will, mm, that Al Pacino okay. by being the winner. I don't think you can point out Denzel as somebody that should have won compared to that. I think there might have been others that are more deserving, but not him. Well, I, I like that he, he, as much as I don't like the Spike Lee, a lot of Spike Lee joints, I like that he kept working with them because He Got Game is probably the best Spike Lee movie, in my opinion. And it has a lot to do with the fact that Denzel Washington's in it. Have you guys seen Two Guns with him and Mark Wahlberg? Is it funny? I heard it's funny. Well, it's really funny. It's Denzel with a, with a little comedy twist, which is it's fantastic. And Wahlberg is doing what we talked about, which is a, a very comedic type role. And the right. two of them together have, I would say, some fantastic chemistry on screen. They, re- they really do. They play off of each other really well. I'm a huge fan of that movie as a, as a nice, fun ride with, a little, with some twists. Because the guy gives you what you want. He's like, what kind of movie is this? What kind of picture are we making? Okay, I'm going to do it for you. 
it's got to be funny. It's got to be funny. He gave Robert Zemeckis the best movie he's made in since Back to the Future when he did Flight. The performance he gives in Flight is out of this world. I mean, he he's never done anything like that. He's a smooth guy, man. He's, he's Cary Grant. You know, there's that scene in Training Day when Ethan Hawke keeps trying to talk to Denzel while he's reading the newspaper. And he says, this is a newspaper, right? It's 90% bullshit, but it's entertaining. That's why I read it, because it entertains me. You know, if you look at his career, not all of his movies are great. Not all of his movies are even good. But I'm still a fan of a lot of his movies because they're entertaining. He's an entertainer. He gets hits, right? Right. Every time he's at the plate, he gets a hit. Right. It's not always a home run, but he can hit home runs. But he still get, he gets singles and doubles on a routine basis. So at the end of the day, the guy's got a really high batting average, right? To continue with that. And so that, to me, that's why I think he's, that's why I think he's iconic. What was the movie that Denzel did? That was that sci-fi movie. That was, they go back in time. Deja Vu. Deja Vu. I mean, like, that's like. Movie's awesome. It's awesome. Movie's fucking great. Bone Collector is fucking great. Crimson Tide is fucking great. Virtuosity. I don't even love it that much, but I know you do, right? So I, I knew I was going to remember the Titans. It's fucking great. There are no swings and misses by Denzel Washington. God always makes contact. He's actually really good in American Lamester. The movie's not very good, but he's good in it. It's that scene when he shoots Idris Elba and puts the tip jar on him. What the fuck you gonna do, Frank? Huh? What you doing? You gonna shoot me in front of everybody? Huh? Right. But, so he went and talked to Frank Lucas, who he plays, and he said, I, look, I'm not going to do this movie. I'm not going to play you unless you tell me some redeeming quality that you've had in your life from the time that you spent in prison. He, he was essentially like, I'm not going to be a bad guy. And he hasn't played a bad guy in very many of his movies. He's always the good guy, except for in Training Day. And I think there's one other movie where he plays a bad guy. The rest of the time, he Denzel's a good guy, right? You're always rooting for him, and it's easy. Always. I always, it's easy to root for him, right? For fucking sure it is, man. For sure American, it is. American Gangster, you're you're kind of on the fence, and he went and and I was impressed by this that he went and interviewed Frank Lucas and was like, "Look, I I, I don't really have that much of an interest in playing you unless you give me some redeeming quality, because as far as I can tell, you're just a drug dealer." who got who got busted and then flipped on everybody and they had apparently had a, a pretty in-depth discussion about you know frank and and what he's done since then and, and stuff like that before denzel would would agree to play him which i thought right. was an interesting twist that's an interesting observation that he doesn't play the bad guy i i would argue that the reason why training day was such a good role for him is because it was a, one of the very few roles where he's a morally ambiguous character I would also put Philadelphia in that role for him, right? Because, but he's supposed to be a good guy. He's supposed to be a cop. He's supposed to be a lawyer seeking justice for a wronged person, but he's not really a good person. And so you're questioning the scene in training day when he says, son, you can change things You're on the inside. You got to do it. Give it time. You know, and all it's like, does he, does he mean that? Is it sincere? Is that how he really thinks about it? Or is he, is he just playing Ethan Hawke or is it, that's how he used to think about it at one time before he got corrupted by the system. And he's not necessarily a bad person. He's just playing the game in the system that was corrupt before he got there. 
Philadelphia, you know, I mean, he's, he's representing a homosexual who's been discriminated against, and he almost beats up the gay guy that hits on him in the pharmacy. Right. What do you think I'm gay? Aren't you? What's the matter with you? Do I look gay to you? Right, yeah. He's excellent in, in Philadelphia. In fact, I watched it last night, and movie does not hold up. You know, it's very 90s, especially these days. You're, we're learning about how much bullshit was going on in the 90s, right? And Denzel is, I'm, I'm shocked he wasn't nominated for an Academy Award for that. He got outshined by Hanks, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Training Day, I, I think, is his best movie. Man the fuck up. Good pick, Matt. When we come back, we're going to talk about 1994 in film and the winner, Forrest Gump, as well as the other nominees. Will you marry me? I'd make a good husband, Jenny. You would, Forrest. But you won't marry me. You don't want to marry me. Why don't you love me, Jenny? I'm not a smart man. But I know what love is. I don't know if Tom Hanks is a smart man, but that guy knows how to win Oscars. And... <laughs> That was a movie in which he won an Oscar and the movie won Best Picture that year as well, Forrest Gump, directed by Robert Zemeckis. Zemeckis won Best Director that year. Also, Gary Sinise was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for that movie as Lieutenant Dan. Pulp Fiction was nominated as well that year. It was also nominated for Best Actor for Travolta, Best Supporting Actor for Samuel Jackson, and Best Supporting Actress Uma Thurman. It won for Best Screenplay, but again, as we mentioned last week, Tarantino did not win for Best Director and still has yet to do so. Shawshank Redemption, fantastic movie with Tim Robbins, directed by Frank Darabont, who also directed The Green Mile. Quiz Show, which was directed by Robert Redford. He was nominated for Best Director for that movie. The Golden um, Boy. The Golden Boy, indeed. That's based on a true story about you know, the back in the day, the who wants to be a millionaire of the time where there was cheating involved and it was Rafe Fiennes. And then our classic token British movie, Four Weddings and a Funeral, directed by a guy named Mike Newell, who directed For You, Logan, Donnie Brasco, and For You, Matt, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Oh, that's that's my number one Harry Potter movie. In 1994, there were a lot of good movies made that year of all different types. I'm going to run through them real quick for the benefit of our listeners. Eight Seconds, Lion King, True Lies, The Mask, Speed, Dumb and Dumber, Interview with a Vampire, Clear and Present Danger, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, Blue Chips, Reality Bites, Hudsucker Proxy, Surviving the Game. Love that movie with Ice-T. Oh, that shit is good. That shit is good. And then... uh, PCU, which we've talked about on the pod because we're not going to protest, With Honors, starring Joe Pesci, The Crow, Maverick, Beverly Hills Cop 3, Wyatt Earp, Blown Away, not the good one, The Client, Airheads, Natural Born Killers, Wagons East, which was John Candy's last role before he died, Ed Wood, Tim Burton directed, and Martin Landau was nominated for Best Supporting Actor that year as well, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, Clerks, Bullets Over Broadway, starring our boy, Chaz Parliamentary, Stargate, Leon the Professional, starring no women and no kids, 
Legends of the Fall, The Madness of King George, and the list goes on. It's, it was a really, it was a very good year indeed. My position is they got it wrong. Pulp Fiction was the best movie of the year. And if it was not the best picture of the year, Shawshank Redemption was. I would put Forrest Gump much lower on the list, but I understand why it won. For not, sure. Right? But I do think it picks up where I left off with 1976, and that is this. This movie came out in 1994. That's 26 years ago. You are um, going exactly, exactly where I was going with this. Go. If I saw this movie in the theater with my mother, who was born in 1950. And so when she was watching this, she was 44 years old. And after 1976, we have Jimmy Carter, the malaise continues. But then in 1980, it's morning in America again. America's the comeback kid. We got prosperity. The Berlin Wall comes down. We're winning wars. We're locking up Noriega. America's back. It's good times and 12 years of good times. In 1992, Bill Clinton took the White House and there was a lot of nostalgia for the Kennedys and then this time period before we hit uh, the bad times. And so you had people like my mom who loved this movie because she grew up in the 50s and 60s. And watching it was like looking at an old scrapbook and talking to old friends from high school. And it's, it's like the big chill. It was, it's the big chill part too. Right. And that's why this movie won is because it hit, hit that right tone at the right time and that right feeling. This was the year. Forrest Gump gets made another year. It's, it's not, not doing well. Uh, Forrest Gump gets made without Tom Hanks. It's not doing well. The Academy loves Tom Hanks. The Academy does not like Quentin Tarantino. And so it wasn't ready. It wasn't ready for Pulp Fiction. But I just want to say I was driving home today thinking about what my position was going to be on Forrest Gump, and you just fucking nailed it. I watched it with my parents. My dad was born in 1949. I've grown up listening to all of that music. I was nostalgic about the 60s, even though I hadn't even fucking been born until the 80s. I mean, it was, there was a lot of nostalgia for, for the 60s during that time, and those were the my parents were in their prime. They were 46 years old, 45 years old at that time. And I got to imagine the Academy was filled with a lot of 45 and 46 year olds. They're the ones making the votes. The other thing you've got to point out or you can't forget about is though it's dated today, Zemeckis did a lot of shit with the news by putting Forrest Gump into historical footage that had not been done before. It might not translate to today, but it hadn't been done before. So I think that was also taken into consideration, plus the sweet soundtrack. I understand you were wounded. Where were you hit? In the buttocks, huh? Well, that must be a sight. I'd kind of like to see that. Um, but, but you're right. I, I don't think they knew what to do with Quentin Tarantino. Logan, I remember you saying in discussions past that you're a big fan of Shawshank Redemption. Is that your favorite movie of that year? Yeah. That that would have been my winner. You're like the king of picking best picture years. Like this is like Rocky all over again. Although Forrest Gump's a much better movie, right? But it is coming in at the right time to win, right? To Matt's point, I don't I don't think they knew what to do with Pulp Fiction. As much as I love Pulp Fiction and Tarantino, probably would have gone Shawshank. I I fucking love that movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would have given it to Pulp Fiction. You got to get rid of that cab scene if you want that fucking best picture, man, you know? What does it feel like? 
the weather feeling like? Chilly, man. You know, it's interesting. So I went back and I looked at Pulp Fiction. I didn't go back and rewatch the movie, but I went and just looked at some of the scenes. That movie is so groundbreaking. And he perfected what he started with Reservoir Dogs. And that, yes, the cab scene is the worst scene in there. And, but I, I watched that specifically because that is the flaw of the movie. But there's actually a lot going on there because there's a lot of stuff even, I mean, I've seen that movie 20 times and, and there are still things about that gold watch scene that I've missed and that I, I saw when I was looking at some of the clips. The thematic use of gold in that vignette, comparing boxing with being a soldier, following out the story of Butch's life, Butch's forefathers and the way, the way his life was. Little things like gold watch was purchased in Knoxville, Tennessee at a little drugstore. And then he gets on the phone and says, I'll see you on Tennessee time, which is where he's going. When he goes into the pawn shop and he's getting ready to leave, there's a bunch of license plates in the back. One of them's Tennessee. There's just a lot that Tarantino did that was not accidental. The care and, and attention to detail that he did in that movie is just very- yeah, that's why we love him, right? So much. Oh, yeah. He, he's on a different wavelength than a lot of people in that regard. With music, with sco- right? The score, the, you know, the soundtrack for his movies are all like that. I think last week we I talked about I don't think there was a five star movie in the 2019 class. I think there's at least two in this class with Pulp Fiction and Shawshank. I don't rank or score Forrest Gump as a five star movie. I think Agreed. it's a good movie. I agree too. I just I, I get why I also don't have a problem with it winning. Right. We had similar sentiment, I think, or the, the consensus was for Rocky that you know, we understand why it wins. I still don't agree. I still think it's a terrible movie. But this was a particularly strong. Field. And then you have, you know, this sort of out of nowhere Forrest Gump that comes in and and takes the prize because it's the right time. When we come back, we'll be doing our picks for next week. I'll help you catch him, Clary. Believe me, you don't want Hannibal Lecter inside your head. Just do your job and never forget what he is. But he's a monster. Pure psychopath. So rare to capture one alive. So close to the way you're gonna catch him. Do you realize that? Oh, Clary, your problem is you need to get more fun out of life. You told me you don't speak easily. Call this easy, sir. Lester's missing hand arm. Man's a raving maniac. Who knows what he'll do? The Silence of the Lambs, starring Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster. That is the movie we'll be watching this week. It is Logan's turn to pick an actor. What actor will we be discussing, Logan? I think you brought him up a couple weeks ago, and we talked about him on the last cast, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson, good pick. The boy, the boy Woody. Matt, what, uh, what year in film will we be discussing and year for the Academy Awards? We are going to be talking about 1999, the year that Gwyneth Paltrow won the Academy Award for Best Actress, thereby negating its validity in almost all uh, argument. It's also the year Shakespeare in Love won Best Picture uh, over Saving Private Ryan. Life is Beautiful, Elizabeth in the Thin Red Line. Steven Spielberg won for Saving Private Ryan. Uh, Benini won for Life is Beautiful, um, and so on. 
This has been the In Camera Review Podcast. We are lawyers talking about movies, and we are through, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.